0: meet brother signs i believe it is a guest of the walmers and we're happy to he's with us today visiting and we're looking forward to what god is going to do in this service amen and uh it should be a common occurrence i was thinking about a few uh just yesterday it should be a common occurrence new people coming in visiting uh people that we bring off uh the streets and just there should be a a constant flow uh, of folks coming in this in this building Uh, And we're thankful for everybody that God brings our way. First Samuel chapter 19 and beginning with verse number 18. We're just going to read about a particular uh, account in the life of David, the King David, not king at this time, uh, but uh, in the process of becoming what God had for him to become. First Samuel chapter 19 and verse number 18. It says it like this. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David, not with good intentions either, but with very harmful intentions to take David's life. Uh, Verse 20 continues, And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them. The Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul. Or you might say the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul when they encountered the company of prophets. And the Bible says, and they also prophesied. The folks that came to do harm to David, the folks that had come to take him away captive so Saul could take his life, those folks Amen. Fell under the influence of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And they also prophesied. Verse 21. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. He sent a second group. Well, if the first group couldn't take David captive and bring him back, I'll send a second group. And the Bible says they prophesied likewise. And the verse 21 continues. And Saul sent messengers again the third time. Everyone say the third time. The third time. And they prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah. So Saul himself says, I'm going to go myself. These people can't seem to get the job done. They can't accomplish the mission. I'm going to go myself. Then went he also to Ramah and came to a great well that is in Setu, And he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Naoth in Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth in Ramah. And the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. Amen. I want to talk for a few moments this morning, this afternoon, on the power of his presence. The power of his presence. That's my title. Amen. How many is going to help me preach this morning? Amen. How many gonna help me preach this morning? Amen. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come into this place to hear the word of the Lord preached, declared in our hearing. God, we're asking you today to anoint my lips of clay that I could somehow speak as a humble servant of the Lord. And I pray today, God, that your anointing would break every yoke of sin. I pray, God, that the anointing of God would not only be upon myself, but that the anointing of Almighty God would fall upon the people's hearts today. That they would be receptive to Your Word. And that something Almighty God could be deposited into our spirits, into our souls. And we would be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And everyone say in Jesus' name. And God bless you. you may be seated today. The power of His presence. The power of his presence. Uh, right before this particular passage of scriptures, there is an account of the life of David. And David was in a particular place in his life when he was serving the king in the, in the king's palace. And he was ministering before King Saul, playing on his harp and trying to uh, push away and fend off the evil spirits that haunted King Saul. And the Bible says that King Saul had such an evil, nasty, angry spirit that at one particular point, as David was playing the harp in the king's palace, that King Saul took a javelin. You know what a javelin is? Anybody seen a, a long spear with a pointed arrowhead tip kind of thing on the end of it? And there would be this long rod with a big pointed edge, and you could take that javelin, you could throw it and they practiced back then how to throw the javelin how to kill the enemy so king saul took this long spear this long javelin and from one side of the king's palace he he launched it straight at david trying to take david's life Amen. But the Bible says that David was able to escape. David was able to to escape the javelin that was thrown. And the Bible says that that javelin which it stuck into the wall, and it it almost took the life of David. And that was the type of uh, the environment that uh, David was in at this time, A very adverse situation. And the Bible says that as David realized, you know what King Saul has got my my, not he doesn't have my welfare my well-being on his mind he wants to kill me he wants to destroy me that david fled and the bible says that david had a wife named michael and michael knew that uh, king saul which was her father was going to come looking and pursuing the life of her husband david so what the bible says that michael did was she she put a trick on her dad this is something that we as kids probably have done a few times she she put a trick on her dad and she said uh uh, when they came looking for David, you know, David is sick. And what she did to full uh, King Saul was she uh, she put some cushions, uh, some padding in the bed. She covered the, the, the bed, the, the blanket with, with blankets. Uh, she had this padding on the bed and she she made it look like there was a body lying in the bed. How many has they ever done that to, to fake out mom or dad? You, you act like hey I'm sick or are you you're trying to deceive somebody you say well there, there I am and and, uh, and Michael tried to deceive her father and so the, the, when the, the servants of King Saul came looking for David Michael stood at the door and said look there's my husband he's laying in the bed he's very sick you know come back another time and so uh, the servants went back to Saul and said you know David is sick we, we can't we can't go take him right now he's not well. And King Saul in his fury, in his anger, he said, I don't care if he's sick or not. Get him out of the bed and bring him to me because I'm going to kill him with my bare hands. And so the Bible says that the messengers went a second time to get uh, my, to get from Michael, David. And when they went in, they barged through the room in the house. They They pulled back the blankets and they found not it wasn't David. They found it was it was it was fake. It was. It was something false. It was it was not the real thing. David was not in there. It looked like he was there, but he was not there. And he come to find out that David had fled for his life. He had he had fled for his life. And the Bible says that he was in a bad place. Can you imagine, if you will, for a few moments, the king is looking for you and he's trying to kill you. And you got a newly, uh, a newly married wife, uh, a bride, and, and she's having to lie for you. And she's having to, to stall the king and you're having to run for your life. Here we find, a man a desolate condition uh, that David found himself in. Can we think of a more desolate condition than that in which he found himself after his wife left him down through the window? And at nighttime he was alone. Who could be unmoved when placed in such a position? Forced to fly from his home and his young wife, driven forth by the murderous fury of the king whom he had served with a loyalty and a devotion that could not have been surpassed. Amen. That's the loyalty right there that David exemplified. When the king was trying to kill him and make an attempts on his life, David was trying to just do his do his best to, to please the king. He was trying to play his harp and he was trying to just sing praises to God. But he was driven forth by the mur- the murderous fury of the king. His home was desolated and his life threatened by the father of his wife. Here we have ourselves an evil, an evil in-law. A really evil in-law. A father-in-law that wanted to, that hated him so much he wanted to kill him. Perhaps the thoughts began to come into David's mind as he was on the run uh, from King Saul. Perhaps he began to think, what good has it done me to slay that giant Called Goliath. What good did it do me uh, to get involved in the kingdom of God? What uh, return have I gotten for my service and ever so soothing the nerves of the irritable king and through with my gentle planes on my harp? What good had come of all of his perilous exploits against the Philistines of the hundred skins of the king's enemies of the last great victory, which had been brought, which had brought some such unprecedented advantage to Israel? Would it not have been better for him never to have touched a weapon, never to have encountered a foe, but to keep feeding the flock of his father's house and caring for those irrational creatures who had always returned his kindness with gratitude and been far more like friends and companions than was terrible Saul. Such thoughts perhaps plagued David's mind as he was on the run. Such thoughts might perhaps have filled his heart and his mind. His ill treatment was so atrocious, a man from King Saul, that he had not uh, that he had not had he not had a refuge in God, it might have driven him to madness or to suicide. But instead, his his uh, his opposition and his treatment and his situation, it drove him to God's house. His situation that he was up against. He was faced with adverse situations. He was faced with the king that wanted his life. He was faced with the wife that had to let him go and watch him run off into the night. He was faced with dire circumstances and situations. But he did not give in. He did not throw in the towel. Instead, David realized, I've got to get to God's house. I've got to get into the presence of God. Amen. Because there is a power that I can have in his presence. There's a power that I get that I gather when I get into God's house. And I'm going to tell this church today we live in a day that is filled with increasing wickedness. This church in 2019 in California, the United States of America, we live in a day of increasing wickedness. A day that requires us to come continually into God's presence and to be refilled and to be renewed. Amen. A day that requires us, amen, and so much the more as we see the day approaching to get to God's house. Just this past week, you may have read the news and heard the account that representatives from the state of New York, amen, had uh, just signed into law and celebrated the fact that they could now abhor or murder a baby up until the day of its delivery. Amen. It broke my heart to hear that, to hear the news, and to, to see people actually with smiles. and and laughing and clapping and rejoicing because now we can can murder, we can abort babies up until the day of delivery. Amen. A day of great wickedness. Uh, And We live in a day when they call good evil and evil's good. Amen. We live in a day, amen, that requires the people of God to truly be identified as a people of God. We need Him more than ever today. We need Him more than ever today. Amen. We need God's presence and the preached Word of God more than ever before. And we need a place of refuge before His presence. Amen. We need our minds and our hearts renewed before Him. Oh, Jesus, we love you today. We worship you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we love you, Lord. We magnify you today, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All that David was doing through that. in in Saul's palace was just worshiping the Lord was just being loyal was being faithful was doing what he knew to do was serving the king and in spite of his service to the king in spite of his right spirit and his spirit of humility the king wanted to destroy him amen David was living in a day amen when good was called evil and evil was called good because the king Saul looked at David and said I don't like your praising no more Amen. I want to silence the voice of God in my life because I can't take it. I cannot I cannot sustain it any longer. And we are in a day today in 2019 when this world needs to have a church that they can look to as a cornerstone. And a church that they can look to as a landmark marker amen, for their lives. And say, That's still a church that preaches truth. Of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. And so it was in this time that King Saul, through the process of time, his heart had turned away from God. King Saul originally had a touch of God, an anointing of God upon his life, And then people looked at Saul and they said, Here's a man that's head above shoulders. But more than that, he's got the touch of God upon his life. That was King Shaw. When he started out, he had a heart to please God. He had a heart to serve the Lord. But he allowed some things to come into his life that separated him, amen, from God's presence. And he began to rule the kingdom with wickedness and with animosity towards God. And it was during that time. After King King Saul's heart had begun to devise wickedness and sow that wickedness into the kingdom, that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, began to devote his main energies... To the noble effort to raise Israel from the barbarous depths into which it had sunk by establishing the school of the prophets. Somewhere near to Samuel had begun to erect buildings. He began to build up buildings to receive young men that said, I, I want to please God. I know I live in a world Amen, where, where good is called evil and evil is called good. But those young men somehow began to search the land and say, hey, wait. There's somebody that preaches truth. There's somebody out here that has a touch of God. And Samuel began to draw these young men. And they begin to come one after another. They begin to come more and more and they begin to. There began to be so many people that he had to erect buildings, multiple buildings to house the young men. And he began to train them. And they were called the sons of the prophets. Amen. In the day in which we live today, amen, there is a drawing that God, amen, is using to draw people, amen, back to a fellowship with him. In spite of what happens and the turmoil in this world, God's drawing the magnetic power the Holy Ghost is working to draw men back to God just like it has always been working. And in days like today, we still need the church. There must be a place where people can come and they can recognize that's home. That's what God's house looks like. That's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like. I can recognize it. There's a place that I can call home. And in the midst of, in the midst of a vile and perverse generation, Samuel was building up the house of God. And we're attempting to do the same thing here today. Amen. There's teaching that's going forth every Sunday morning. Brother Walmer's doing his, his God best, and God's anointing him. And we're we're teaching and we're preaching and we're worshiping and we're trying to gather people. If there's anybody in this world that's hungry, come, come 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 to the waters and drink there's a place of refuge samuel may not have uh fully realized the extent of what he was doing amen but what he was doing in gathering people together with similar desires and hearts to please god was he was creating a city of refuge he was creating a place for people that were lost that were down now that were confused they could come and they could experience the God of the Old Testament. They could experience God for themselves. And I believe, and we'll see here in a few moments, uh, that this group of people, these sons of the prophets, school, the prophets, uh, under the direction of the prophet Samuel, and I believe they were praying people. I believe they were people that prayed and sought God. Because there was a magnetic force of influence in that field in which they served in. And it impacted the messengers that Saul would later on send to get David. While while battles were being fought uh, and the kingdom was troubled with the unsatisfactory condition of the kingdom because of Saul, Samuel was quietly gathering around himself a band of men who devoted attention to the records of Israel's history. The exercise of worship to the Lord and spiritual interests of men. These people were becoming a power to influence the nation in the days to come. What could come out of something like this here today? just a few people that gather together and say we're going to seek god we're going to get a hold of god we're going to open our 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 ears and our hearts to hear the word we're going to open our hearts to the word of god we're going to watch we're going to get involved we're going to do something there's no telling the influence that even a single church can have in a nation in this city In this county, in this state. Because somebody endeavors to pray and seek God. Somebody endeavors to say, Pastor, if you have a 21-day prayer and fasting chain, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to fast. I'm going to push aside some meals. I'm going to push aside some drinks, some water. And I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. The extent and the strength of that influence of this school of prophets cannot be minutely traced. Amen. Because of its spiritual nature. But the higher tone of national life during the reigns of David and Solomon was doubtless largely due to the influence of the school of the prophets centers of spiritual influence are formed when the great political world is intent on its wars and intrigues amen they're they're intent on it but notably christianity and pentecostalism has arose and found its nourishment among the quiet valleys and hills of palestine while roman imperialism was intent on conquest Ignorant almost of its existence the band of men and women who met for prayer in an upper room they began to gather together in an upper room cultivated there the power which afterwards would penetrate into all parts of the Roman Empire Never underestimate the power of coming together in God's house. Never underestimate what happens when God's people get together. And they link up and they say, let's pray together. Let's get together. Let's come to God's house. Let's agree together. Never underestimate the power of His presence. Getting together and worshiping the Lord. That's why we make such a big deal all the time. That's why I'm probably that annoying pain in the side. Where are you? Are you in church? Are you coming? Amen. Because there's importance, there's value, there's power, there's great potential when God's people get together and they get in God's house and they begin to worship Him. It sets the tone for the scene. It sets the tone for a nation. When even today all across the United States of America, there's oneness Pentecostal apostolic churches gathering together to lift him up and to worship him. Never underestimate the influence of the apostolic church in 2019. But if we fail to be the church that he's called us to be, then there's going to be some certain David's that are looking for a place. And because we fail to show up, because we failed to do to repentance amen we've got to be here we've got to be here every time the doors are open we've got to make it a point I'm going to get to God's house I'm going to get into his presence I'm going to get into his presence amen hallelujah Hallelujah. the quiet retreats and colleges of the middle ages in some respects were the seats of influence which the world could ill spare Amen. Was it not that some college kids that got together, amen, in Topeka, Kansas, and began to pray? And they said, what would happen if we just got together? We began to pray. And what could come out of it? And what could happen today if Abundant Life Center, your family, my family, you and me, your brother, your sister got together and began to pray the, the potency, the power uh, that's in this place amen it's exponential today it's exponential hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. amidst all the confluence the conflicts of politics and controversies of science and worries about uh, economics there are quite fellowships and of groups of believers that are devoted to to being nourished in a life that's uh, amen that's dedicated to god and this christian this pentecostal church uh, amen, has need to form and sustain a school of the prophet's concept, amen, to meet the demands of the age in which we live. This day requires of this church, amen, coming together and getting in God's presence and bringing down the glory of God because there's going to come a David that's on the run. There's going to come a wayward son or daughter that's on the run. Yes. And this church must be here and be the church. Amen. You see, well, I'm praying for my lost son, my lost daughter. And in the door walks somebody else's lost son or lost daughter, are you going to sit back and just watch them pray by themselves? Or are you going to say, you know what? I am going to pray for that boy, that girl, as if they were my own. I'm going to weep over him. I'm going to pray, God, save this prodigal son. Save this prodigal daughter. Because God, in the process of me praying for this David, isn't going to walk one day my son or my daughter or my spouse is away from God. I believe God is able to do it. I believe God's able to do it. Amen. We make a big deal about coming to church, coming to prayer meeting, because those are the, the things that are that are lying, uh, that are lying in wait, uh, As in We'll just come and get a hold of it. We'll just come to an altar and say, God, in the Old Testament, they had horns on the altar. And then those people, when they really wanted something from God, they'd grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. No one's going to drag me out of here. I'm, I'm getting a hold of the horns of the altar. Where is that tenacity today? Where is that tenacity? that says, I've got to be a dude with power from on high. I've got to get a hold of him. I must touch to him. I must be changed. I must be renewed in my mind. We need it, church. We need it, church. These school of prophets or sons of the prophets... I believe they possessed the power that they had for a couple of reasons. One of which is they were submitted under authority. This school, the prophets, the Bible says that they stood under Samuel's direction and they were under his anointing and they were submitted to a man of God. Amen. We still need a man of God i need a man of god in my life you need a man of god in your life and when we get outside of that umbrella of before it, when we take ourselves out we say oh, i'm going to be a priest over my home i don't need you to pastor me amen we take ourselves outside of that umbrella of protection we need to be under authority if we're going to have power with god in this school of prophets amen the only way that the, they could possess the power that they had was because they were submitted Under the prophet Samuel. They were submitted under the prophet Samuel. And he was watching over them. And no doubt through the course of time. Samuel probably came down and said. "Son, You're doing this the wrong way. I want you to do it this way. And if that boy said. You know I don't like the way you're talking to me. I'm a man too. I can think for myself. That young man would have gone outside of that umbrella of authority. But if that man said, yes, sir, I'll do what you ask of me. He would remain to be under that spout of the anointing where the Spirit of God was poured out. Because he submitted himself. There's power in submission today. Amen. We might take a side deep detour here. But there's power in being submitted. There's power in being in proper alignment with God's will. The Bible makes a big deal about women with their uncut hair, amen, being submitted to to their husbands. And for the men, it's submitting their will to God and his servant, the man of God, because it's a covering. And it will have that covering over our lives. The uncut hair of the woman, amen, and the men being submitted to God and loving God and loving their family. There is a fall of a life that will come upon this group, this body of believers anointing i want the anointing of god to fall upon my life i want your anointing lord i want your anointing i believe it was a spiritual instinct that drew david to samuel the difficulties that had arisen from his public life had already fallen heavily upon him he had found even in the beginning Of his career of service to man. That offenses are going to come. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be offended. Amen. But this was something that he could not bear. And the whole tone of life around the throne of King Saul was out of of order. And it was in chaos. But David was conscious of being misunderstood and misrepresented. And with bounding heart and rapid flight, I believe that David finally said, I've got to get out of here. Because now I might lose my life. Amen. What loyalty? What submission? What relationship? When the king was trying to do David Harmon for so long, David said, he probably doesn't mean that. He probably, he's just having a bad day. He just, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And he just, he, he, he endured for so long, amen, that the whims and the evil whims of, of King Saul until finally he said, I've got to get out of here or I'm going to die. I'm going to physically lose my life and give up the ghost. Therefore, David, uh, at the end of this encounter with Saul, he, he sought consolation. He sought counsel and he sought rest with the man who had once anointed him to be king. David remembered in the dire situations of his life, uh, yes, I remember there's a man that one day came, and he came to my father's house, Sade. And he went past all of my siblings, and he said, is there one more? And he said, no, there's got to be one more. And the Bible says in the prophet Samuel, amen, he, he said to Jesse, is there is there one more, son? Is there anybody else you got? And Jesse begins to think, you know what, there is one more. I didn't want to tell you because he's not much. He doesn't, he, you know, he's... He's ruddy, he's unkept, he's a little bit rough. He's not, you know, you wouldn't think of him to be king. He's not like King Saul. You know, King Saul's big, he's handsome, he's strong. David's not that, he's just a small little scrawny guy. He's, uh, you, you wouldn't suspect him to be king. You can't, no, 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 see, I, know, I don't think you mean, is there one more? That, that's that's all the ones I could think of that could be king. And sometimes we shortchange people and we think, well, they they can never be anything for God. Amen. I can never be anything for God because we're looking on the outside and God say, oh, if I could get a hold of somebody's heart, if I can find the heart of David that says, I want to serve him. I want to please God. I want to love God. I'll do anything with that man or that woman. And so Samuel had anointed David to be king. In his father's house. And David's mind began to go back. And said there was a man years ago that came my way. And he prophesied over me. He anointed me. I'm going to see if I can find Samuel. I'm going to see if I can find a man of God in my life. I'm going to see if I can find that divine influence in my life. I'm going to call up my pastor. I'm going to call up that prophet of God. That man of God in my life. And he went to. Where Samuel was and he was raised up the school of prophets. What happens sometimes when we determine in ourselves, you know, you know what? No matter what, no matter what I'm up against, no matter what I'm facing, no matter who lies on me, who cheats on me, who who, who throws stones at me, who who's who's gossiping about me, no matter what happens, I've just gotta get to God's presence. I've just got to get to God's house. I know it's storming, rain outside, foggy outside. Uh, the, the winds are blowing. Amen. People are talking about me and all of these things. But what would happen if I just pushed past it all and I made my way to God's house and I found me a, a preacher that could preach the unadulterated <laughs> word of God? What could happen in my life? I'm on the road and things are not uh, going my way. In fact, they're country. My direction, but I believe God can turn things around in my life. What happens when we come to God's house? You say, Well, I've got a lot of problems, I've got a lot of issues, I've got a lot of relationships, I've got a lot of hang ups, I've got this habit, and I've got this vice, and I've got this that I've got to deal with. Hey, Amen. Just get yourself. Get your carcass and drag it to church and say, We're going to get to the house of God. No matter how tired I am, no matter how sick I am, no matter what I'm up against, and go to church. And David said, I know, hey, amen, uh, there's people that are after me, and I, don't, I, don't, I hate to bring my baggage to church. How many feel that way sometimes? I hate to bring my baggage to church. I hate to bring my baggage to church. I hate to go there again with my problems. I hate to go there again and and it's the same old thing. David brought his baggage to church. David went to God's presence, to God's house, where Samuel was in the school of prophets. He brought his baggage because following David was all of those messengers from King Saul. And they came, amen, to to remind David, amen, that King Saul is after you. He wants to kill you. Then we're going to remind him of all the bad things in life. But can I tell you today, if you'll determine no matter what, I'm going to go to God's house. And I'm going to go to the altar. And I'm going to lift up my hands. And my baggage can come with me. But one thing your baggage cannot do, is it cannot leave with you. It cannot leave with you. Because the Bible says, "We're Saul's messengers, he came into the presence of God. He came to where Samuel and the school didn't stop with the first group of messengers. And just like the devil doesn't stop working on you and me. Yeah. When you come and, 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 you, and you defeat the first uh, batch of enemy forces, you say, oh, I, I overcame that one. Man, that woman was trying to uh, get me to commit fornication. Oh, I ran away from that one. Here comes another batch of temptation. You're thinking, man, I'm facing the same test uh, as I did yesterday. And God saying, With my help, uh, you can overcome it again. Yeah. You can be victorious again. And Saw sent with a second group of messengers. Come on. The first group messed up little devils, uh, little demons. Uh, but you can be you can be victorious. You've got to take David and drag him out and kill him. And the Bible says that the second group of messengers came. And when they got to God's house, they fell into God's presence. They fell down flat. They began to worship God. Their will was rolled over by the will of God. The will of sin was rolled over by God's will and God's power. And the second group of messengers laid down their will, submitted to God. God changed them. Saul got discouraged. Got upset and said, Man, I'm going to probably send my, my very best. These guys have never let me down. These messengers are the strongest, the biggest, and the baddest. They cannot be defeated. Man, they're surely going to win this battle. And the Bible says that the third mess- group of messengers came and they fell under the influence of the Spirit of God. And they began to prophesy. There is a transformational potential that is in this place. For every soul that comes to this place and says, Well, you know, I I came here an alcoholic. I came here a fornicator. I came here a liar. I came here a cheater. Amen. If you allow the Spirit of God to rule and to reign in your life. And if you allow the Spirit of God to move upon you in an altar of repentance or right there in a chair. God can turn the liar and the cheater into an honest man. Into an honest woman. God can choose. Amen. The philanderer. The fornicator. Amen. That not that, that sleeps around anybody that walks and God can make them faithful, 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 faithful. God can take the alcoholic and make him a sobered up man with his right mind. God can do anything. There's transformative power that's latent within the presence of God, latent within the presence of God in the house of God. And then finally, after the third group of messengers had come and had fallen, Saul said, I'm gonna go. I don't know if he went with the spirit of pride like he had in his heart, or what his thoughts were as he approached the school of prophets to, to, to go and to secure David, and so he could he, he could kill him and seek revenge upon his life. I don't know the things that Saul was dealing with, but at the Bible tells us that as Saul began to get closer amen that 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 man that was away from god that backslidden man in his his lost state of mind Saul began to get closer to the school of prophets, the presence of god the house of god that the spirit of god began to fall upon him and i believe it was in that moment that god reached out to Saul one more time sister camarina god reached out to him one more time and said Saul, this is your chance to come home Saul, so this is what you've been missing out on. And the Bible says that Saul fell, flat on his face, and he laid prostrate before the Lord, and he prophesied. And the people around said, is he a prophet? Because they recognized, man, that's the Spirit of God in his life. Man, look at it. This is a Saul we remember way back then when God would use him. God's reaching for him. God's reaching for him. And God's reaching today in this place. For somebody to allow God's spirit to work in their lives and say, God, I surrender. I'm not fighting no more. I'm not fighting the will of God no more. I'm going to surrender. And I don't want to just be here in God's house. It's not enough for me to just surrender and say, Well, I'm here. Uh, I showed up. But there's a point in which God wants everybody in this church to get involved. Amen. To prophesy. Amen. To speak to the world about the truth of the Word of God and to be a witness. God wants to use this group of people to prophesy to their world and to testify of His goodness. Free. You say, I want to be involved, Pastor. I want to be involved. I want to be a part. Go by the table on the way out. Take you some one-a-day, some a mans. Take you some church cards and just begin to hand those out. God, you, your spirit's more working in my life. One day God's going to give you the Holy Ghost, son. And when God gives you the Holy Ghost, you'll recognize i got power with God. It's power to be a witness. It's power to overcome. And you can take a church card to me to say God use me let me prophesy to my world God let me speak truths of the word of God to my world let me speak to my teacher at school my friends at school my neighbors everybody around use me but it doesn't happen until we get into God's presence and we allow him to overtake us Saul his three companies of messengers allowed themselves to be overtaken with God's Spirit God take control of my life God reign in me reign over my life not my will but your will not my will but your will so no matter what you're up against today God can turn everything around God can turn whether it be a King Saul into a prophesying Saul or God can turn a Saul of Tarsus into an Apostle Paul. No matter what you're up against, God can turn things around for your good. God can work all things out if you will allow yourself to come under the influence of the Spirit of God and then it's a time of prayer in your living room. You turn up the music and dim the lights and begin to worship God. Jesus, reign in me. Not just on Sunday mornings in a church service. Not just on Wednesday nights in a church service. But God, right here in my living room, God, reign in my life. Reign in my life. I'm surrendering myself to you. The only reason that these companies of messengers and King Saul, I believe, could fall under that divine influence is because the school of the prophets, the church, was there praying. They were praying. They were praying. Were praying, they were praying, they were praying. You say, Well, we just finished a 21-day of prayer and fasting. That doesn't matter. Amen. You ought to make fasting a day a regular thing you do in your life. You take once uh, one day a week, and you begin to take it before the Lord and say, God, I'm gonna crucify my flesh and this church, my family, my home, my life is gonna be one that's filled with prayer. Because when the church is filled with prayer, When the church is filled with prayer and fasting, the enemy, when they come, they can't touch you because God's Spirit hits them long before they come to the door. That's what happens when a church prays, when a church is in proper alignment with the authority that God has placed in their lives. God turns enemies into friends. God turns enemies into friends into people that will prophesy, people that will witness, people that will testify the goodness of the Lord. Scripture makes known the restraint that God puts on hearts and on beings. Lions dare not touch Daniel. Evil spirits have to beg permission of Christ before they can go forth. Amen. Men sent to seize the savior were unable to fulfill their missions and soldiers were powerless in his presence. Amen. When God is in charge of a church, when God is reigning, his spirit's reigning in this place, there's great power that's in this place. I I saw uh, maybe a few years ago now, it was a video on YouTube of a church that was, I believe, in Latin America. And maybe some of you probably remember more of the details. You can share it with us later. But there was a church that was uh, having service in Latin America, South America. Uh, and this particular church was, was filled up. They were worshiping the Lord. I think at this particular juncture of the service, the preacher was behind the pulpit and he was preaching. And there were folks in the, in the audience. They were filling up, they were filled the cha- filling the chairs. There was a lot of people in this particular church setting. And this preacher began to preach, no doubt from this holy book, the Word of God. This preacher began to preach on adultery and began to begin to preach it without fear, without favor. And sudden suddenly from right where was, Brother Paul and Father Paul was sitting, this man jumped to his feet and began to leap towards the pulpit, leap towards the, the podium where the preacher was. With a big knife in his hand, he began to rush the pulpit. And, the, and as the video shows, and I sure can share with you later if I find it, that man probably got about three or four steps towards the pulpit. And he fell down on his knees, trembling as the church began to pray. Because while he meant it for evil, amen, God was looking out. And there was a force of influence about the man of God, about the presence of God. And God has his hand in this church today. People may come, people may go, and then people may think, Well, I'm taking revival with me. I'm taking my ties and my attitude and I'm taking them with me. Amen. But God is going to have church, and that's the bottom line. It's God's house, it's God's presence, it's God's church. And the Bible says that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. Nothing that the enemy concocts in his wicked mind that he's devised against the people of God can prosper against God's people. When God's people are in harmony and in prayer and in submission, God's working things out for them. Quickly, I'm quickly coming to a close. The Bible says that Samuel was there David came to where he was and finally King Saul made his way beyond the three companies of messengers and Saul finally had himself a meeting with David and Samuel. I don't know if it's exactly in this particular uh, scene of David's life uh, that he reflected back later on in the Psalms and said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, this could very well have been one of those opportunities where Saul and David and Samuel sat at the same table and Saul sat across from David and they ate and there was a restraint of God upon Saul. Saul may have wanted to kill him, but Saul couldn't touch him and David sat there in perfect peace because I got my mind on Jesus, because everything's all right, because I'm right with God and I'm to let him go. And everything's so all right in my world. And so it's in situations like that where you can face up with the enemy. You can face up with the lies of hell and the defeated lies that the devil tells against you. And you can sit there in perfect peace. Landlord says, I'm going to get kicked out. Landlord says, I got no place to go. Bill collector says, I'm taking your last dime. I'm sitting there in perfect peace because my mind is straight on Jesus. Because I'm not the mind is God brothers and man of God. I'm and God's going to see me through. He's going to see me through. He's going to see me through because it's in God's presence that the earth is held in. It's in God's presence where King Saul has to sit there with his seat on Amen restrained because God is teaching David. I'm going to prepare a table before you. In the presence of your enemies and you're gonna see David then if you can just get into my presence everything's under control everything's in my hands David I want to teach you something just get to my house bring your problems with you David bring them all with you bring your baggage bring your history bring your resume bring your bring your illegitimate kids bring your lies Your are cheating Bring everything, everything you've got. Bring it to me. And I'll turn your, I'll turn beauty from ashes for your life. Jesus, we love you today. We love you today. O Ravashatolokotolo. O Ravashatolokotolo. Arekotololosatolaramosatai. Worship. Yalama la robo sotolokoso Oro korya talara bosatala robo yandele kosotolo roshotolo Yalama kandolo robo satalara bosata Yalama yekotolo roshatala bae Hallelujah if the musicians can come Hallelujah would you stand to your feet and lift your hands to the Lord in this place? Come on, would you do that with me? Let's stand to our feet and lift our hands. And let's talk with Jesus for a few moments. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saul, the king Saul, as I close. Here's one of the problems I I see with this scripture, this particular verses of scripture. Is that Saul came to God's house. And here's where we find ourselves right now. Saul made his way to God's house. He made his way to God's presence. And he even succumbed to God's will in his life for a few moments. Like many of us do in a service on Sunday morning. He allowed the divine influence of God to work in his life. But the Bible says that the, eventually Saul would get up out of Samuel's house and he would leave the school of the prophets and he would leave unchanged. He would not change his ways. He was allowing God to influence him for a few moments but never to change him. Never would Saul be changed even though God reached for him and God gave him a chance to come back. God gave Saul a reminder in that moment in his life i believe perhaps and you can debate with me if you want i believe perhaps god may have spoken through the lips of samuel to to that day and said saul saul i want you to know god is being merciful to you right now and what you experience here saul is the where is a place that god intends for you to live don't go back the way you came saul Leave change. Allow God's Spirit to work in your life. Allow His Spirit to saturate your soul. Saul, don't leave the same way. Saul, what you experience here, don't let it be a one-time thing. This might be your last time, Saul. Saul, this might be your last. Saul, God didn't show me if He was going to give you another chance. Saul, God didn't show me. If there was another opportunity for you, Saul, Oh, while well, he's moving right now yield yourself yield yourself So yield yourself the word of the Lord says harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness don't harden your heart don't say God that's as far as you go in my life God I will not change beyond this moment Don't harden your hearts. But be that pliable clay in his hands. Say, God, I'm going to just walk up to an altar. Pastor didn't give the altar call. But I'm just going to walk up here, God. I want to be clay, Lord. I don't want to be like Saul, God. That allowed you to touch him. That allowed the Spirit of God to come upon his life. But never did it ever change him. God, I want to make my way to a place where you can work in me. Where you can... Help me to overcome the the anger and the bitterness and the hatred in my heart. Today, to the soul in this place, don't drive the angel out of your way. Who stands in your path, just like he stood in Balaam's way, to stop his progress in sin. Don't move the angel out of your way. But allow the Word of God to work in your lives. If I'm preaching to anybody today, I want you to make your way to this altar under the power of the Holy Ghost. If you feel the Lord talking to your heart, I want you to come to this altar right now. Amen. There may not be another chance for you to come. There may not be another opportunity for you to come. There may not be another room at the front, but if you'll see I'm coming, pastor, I'm coming. I'm not waiting for nobody else. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Come on. I want more to come. I believe more should be in this altar. Come on, Saul.